Sanbonani to Melang Abshing. Hello. Yebo Malume. Um, the 2K gang will never know what this is. Um, it's okay. Times were better that day, you know. Anyway, um, depending on what time you listen to this, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Um, an all-encompassing greeting from your boy, your boy, your boy, your boy, your boy. Anyway, my name is Tulani. Uh, used to do this podcast with another person who you might hear in the specific episode. Uh, we're working on our divorce, to be honest with you. We're trying to figure out who gets this part of the estate. You know, it's a work in progress. Our lawyers are working on it and we're trying to see how we can divide the asset. But as for now, we're trying to work on the baby together so that in the future, we know how it goes about. <sighs> um, it's a really sad moment for the, for the both of us. We thought we would last together for a long time. It turns out that we were just not meant to be in terms of the podcast going forward together. But thank you for the time that you have spent with us. We appreciate your love and support. And we hope that you keep us in your prayers as we go through our divorce of not doing the podcast together. Moment of silence. Nah! Joking! You wish... You wish we were divorcing. Anyway, um, as again, my name is Lani Dambuza. I do this podcast with some chocolate guy called Daryl Dravile. Um, you're more than welcome to hit him up in the DMs. Tens only. Tens, 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 tens. Anyway, um, whew, it's about to go down. Shut again. Low, low. That's how down we're going. This podcast has apple bottom jeans. Anyway, um, firstly, first and foremost, I want to start by saying everything that we say in the specific episode is allegedly. Uh, we don't have enough money to be able to take the companies suing us. So everything is allegedly. They're still in court. And actually, there was a recent finding with regards to Marcus Huster. He got fined about 161 million by the financial body, by the financial and fraud body in South Africa. So, but it's still allegedly, allegedly. So, um, that's first thing first. In a specific episode, um, we delve deeper into friendships. However, there's still, there's still going to be a different component of friendships. And to be honest with you, we look at the education system. Um, it's more like an add-on from last week's episode where we look at the education system and how it's contributed to the societal problems that currently face us as South Africans. And we debate on whether there's a benefit to it and whether there isn't a benefit to it. And if you happen to have one of the degrees that we talk about, as we say in the podcast, we're not trying to diminish your degree. Um, we're trying to have nuanced conversations um, and look at the world as it currently stands and not as it was back in the 90s 
So if you happen to be offended by this, we sincerely apologize. Nah, I'm joking. We do apologize. We do apologize. If we happen to offend you, we're not trying to tell you that the work that you do and the effort that you put in to get your degree was invaluable. We're just trying to offer a different perspective to all of this. So with that said, enjoy. You are about to enter into the matrix of our minds, interests, experiences, and conflicts. We are not heroes. We are not villains. We are just hopeful vessels looking to bring information, discussions, and enlightenment. You might not always agree with us, and that's okay. We don't always agree with each other. Here, we will offer our vulnerable selves to you. So grab your spade as you join us to dig deeper. And welcome to the Trench Effects. Okay, so you're in your third year now, not second year now, and um, you're doing the same companies. Is there similarity from what you did this year um, to the year before? At work. Mm. Well, you see, in my particular field of work, no, because what happens is that you come in first year and you have very limited responsibilities. Okay. And then as you move up, you get more responsibilities and you handle more difficult sections. So there's always that learning opportunity because you're seeing something that's unfamiliar. Okay. But then after a while, once you've understood that particular section, it's different numbers, but the principles are often the same unless it's really like a very different industry that that was exactly the point i was trying to make with this is like in the workplace typically the first two years um tend to be the hardest as almost every month feels like you're learning something new but after that um it starts being a little repetitive it, it comes in different shapes and forms but the concepts are essentially or the principles are essentially the same you just need to take whatever you learned in the previous um, months slash years and and use it and execute it differently, right? And then you need to like almost use your brain to look at it differently. So, and, and that was my initial point with this is like, if you have a person with a willing mind and a mind that is able to apply um, previous line of work and examples, you essentially can almost learn unless it's a very technical field where, for example, programming, I can't program. Um, it would take me a good year to be able to learn what someone learned in three or four years of university. Does not make sense? So, so, so in that scenario, it really does make a lot of sense to be able to be like, okay, this is a prerequisite. So back to like our point um, of... I guess master's slash um, degree as entry level is it exclusionary? Um, and how would you answer now after like a conversation to be like, is it exclusionary or is it a prerequisite to be able to get top tier talent? So I see what you mean when you say it's a prerequisite, 
to get top tier talent. Maybe let's take it's a question, a not necessarily statement. Oh, right, question. <laughs> Maybe we take a step back and look again at uh, what is required for you to form a part of that top tier talent. Because, and I don't want to call it systemic racism, for example. Um, I won't go as far as saying that. Some people may argue that it is a form of systemic racism. Uh, I think I need to reflect on it a lot more before I reach that conclusion. But it's, for example, it's things like, you know, and it's, it's, it's difficult because Wait. You, we say that these are our requirements to get in. Fair enough. Okay. It's like, let's say we're at res. Okay. We know that there are five people who have cars, five people who don't have cars. Five people who have cars are from more wealthy backgrounds. So we say, okay, we're having a particular social. We want everyone to attend. But to attend, you need to drive your yeah, own car to, to get there. for people who are not a tax. No. no, like the concept of like socials, like it's a party. Oh. Okay, so <laughs> it's a party. A res party. So let's say the res party is 100 kilometers away. So I'm creating a hypothetical scenario. The res party is 100 kilometers away. No, you can't take a train, can't fly, you can't run, can't cycle, can't call someone to take you there. You need to take yourself there, either through driving. There's five people who have cars. There's five people who don't have cars. And the prerequisite to go to the social is you need to drive to the social yourself and produce your car keys to get in. So essentially, they've excluded the 95% of the people who don't have cars. Yes, but... They're not excluded, but, but now you see that what is on the surface, why are you being excluded? It's because you don't have a car, because of transport means, right? Underneath, you're being excluded because of your social class. That is a real differentiating factor, is your social class. So now I say when we're looking at these uh, requirements to enter university, because one could very well say, yes, you need all these degrees and stuff, but like you said previously, if you just have a willing mind and you're able to practice critical thinking, you may not need necessarily that paper unless it's a very technical job. I think if you want to be an actuary <laughs> or uh, designing, I mean, if an engineer, you could probably even learn that. Um, if <laughs> yeah. you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a coder, if you want to be an actuary, and coding, I even want to challenge that, that you could learn that on YouTube too. There's quite a lot. <laughs> if you want to be in finance, not necessarily, again, mm. depending on mm. how. But, but even I there, still think you can learn it. I still think you can learn it. Even you can learn that. Like, the, the, for example, there are engineers um, and doctors who have good um, portfolios, uh, like share portfolios, who literally learned it as they started investing and YouTube. So, yeah, okay, let's let things that probably cannot be taught. Let's let's just say I wouldn't trust a doctor who learned it on YouTube. Mm. So maybe let's say <laughs> doctors. Um, I'd say lawyers. No, no, no. I'd say. And, and wait, sorry, why. and we're not diminishing the degree. We're just trying to, it's a nuanced conversation. We're just trying to say, we're just trying to prove that a willing mind and an ability, um, things that actually can be learned. So, yeah, we're not trying to diminish the value of degrees. So, so yeah. The reason why I say lawyers, <laughs> I'd say lawyers, doctors, um, I don't want to say chartered accounts because it's not a job, it's a profession, not a job. There are jobs that, chartered accountants do which someone who doesn't have a finance degree could do so i won't throw that in there but i say lawyers um wait why lawyers 
because anything which you need a license to practice, I think you need to go through some form of, you need to have some form of a qualification to do it. So my argument against that, right, is, um, so the, the license itself, I, I don't think shows competency. Um, I don't think it shows that you're good at what you do. Um, like I've seen so many scenarios of like prisoners in America who are able to learn law and, and teach other prisoners, um, to be able to, um, what's this, to be able to fight American prisons, right? There's actually a real life story. I forgot his name. He's an American, uh, former boxer who was accused of killing, um, two innocent people. Mm. And he went and learned American law. So, so I, so the point I'm trying to make here is a profession, um, licensed profession. Yes, again, it's really great that you're able to get in, but I don't think it's, it's a measurement of you're good at your job. <coughs> I think to challenge, here's my counter argument for that. It's actually fine. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> my counter argument for that is, so let's look at a field like law, right? So how do I put it? I think how you source those skills, you don't need to go through tertiary education to source those skills. Okay. But there needs to be some test of competence. I, 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 I agree with that. So I'm okay with having a lawyer who didn't go to varsity. They could be hope taught themselves at home or through YouTube or whatever, but they need to pass some form of, regulatory body to say however you learned the skill are you competent enough are you not competent so that we have a particular standard that this is a minimum standard that you're willing to accept if you're going to represent someone in court because if not anyone rocking up at court and yeah, representing okay. Okay, so sure. i agree with you that we don't need a formal education but there needs to be some st- standard set whereas if we're looking at uh coding for example, I think there you can learn as you go. Yeah. Finance, even, you can learn as you go. I think because of the cost of, I think the cost of making a mistake in finance, I don't think is the same as the cost of making a mistake in a courtroom. If, if let's say you're fighting for someone, it's a criminal law and you're fighting for someone, whether someone gets death penalty or not. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a very different. Same with, with medicine. Yeah. Like the cost of making a mistake in a surgery room is not the same as, <laughs> as punching the wrong Excel number. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if it doesn't balance, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I think in that sense, we. I have an argument we, against that. Okay. Um, so. Um, sir, you read Steinhoff's book. Yes, I did. And, um, Steinhoff, right, back in the day, um, was PIC invested in it. So a lot of institutional investors that invest on behalf of our parents and our grandparents invested in Steinhoff. Can I argue that the cost of, and this is not a jab, uh, (laughs) the cost of not seeing the fraud in the specific company had a major impact on let's assume someone had retired around the last two or three years um the time and money will be severely injured so and that's someone and let's assume the age here is 65 um and they live an extra 15 years 
um, they receiving way less money than they would have had Steinhoff been help me out here with the words had the fraud um, essentially been detected so my argument here is technically the cost does have severe implications in the livelihoods of people so here's my counter argument <laughs> <laughs> so i think again now to all our listeners i hope you're following uh, we're sorry if we've lost you um we're still talking about expectations this is part of it yeah it's part of the expectation <laughs> conversation we're just uh you know we're just going into uh uncharted territories so my counter argument for what so what tulani is saying essentially is now we see we're, we're speaking that the reason why you would need some formal qualification in law and in medicine is that the cost of making a mistake or the cost of incompetence in those fields is extremely high. So you would need some sort of qualification to say that anyone who has this qualification can practice. And it's a way of us saying that this is the minimum standard that we're willing to accept because the cost of them is so high. That is the point that he's trying to bring across. And now he's brought in Steinhoff because he's saying, Earlier on, we said that maybe the cost of making a mistake in finance or the cost of incompetence in finance is not as high. So you can learn as you go and you may not need some formal qualification. His counter argument is in the case of what happened at Steinhoff, that that cost was extremely high. Uh, I can't remember what the exact number is because I'm I read the book a while ago. <laughs> it was billions. It was billions. Um, to put into perspective, Christo Visa was the richest person in South Africa pre-Steinhoff. After Steinhoff, he dropped like two or three places. He's just a millionaire now, bro. No, he's still a billionaire. No, I recently saw it now. I think it's gone down. Nah, dog. Pep is still... Pep still has... Uh, Pep is still balling. Pep and ShopRite. Don't forget that, bro. Pep and ShopRite are, are balling. But um, for those of you unfamiliar with Steinhoff, you've probably all heard about it in some way or form. Now, uh, Steinhoff is not a South African company. In case you were wondering, it's actually founded in Germany by a gentleman called Bruno Steinhoff. Um, he was German and he was basically trading furniture. And that's nothing. So Steinhoff is a furniture company. And then they met a gentleman called Marcus Jester. I don't know if I should even call him gentleman. I've not really met him. Uh, but they met a South African called Marcus Jester. Marcus Jester became the CEO of Star, which was Steinhoff. I think it was Steinhoff African Retail, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Steinhoff African Retail, that was the company that was based here. Stellenbosch is where its head office was. Stellenbosch Mafia, you get the connection, the whole thing. So he's said to be a part of the Stellenbosch Mafia as well. Um, whether that's proven or not, we don't know. Um, but he's said to be a part of the Stellenbosch Mafia. He also attended Stellenbosch University, um, where he studied accounting and became a chartered accountant too during that and he was the one who oversaw the fraudulent financial reporting at Steinhoff. What is fraudulent financial reporting? It's essentially uh, saying that you've had a certain revenue which did not actually occur. So let's say Tulani has a company and his revenue which he reports is 100 Rand but it was actually 60 Rand for example. Um, that would be fraudulent financial reporting. Now, you may say, okay, well, how do we stop him from doing fraudulent financial reporting? That's when you get the auditors to come in to audit the financials to make sure that if he reports that it's 100 rand that he made, he actually made somewhere near to that 100 rand. 
uh, I just showed Daryl something. Because uh, <laughs> I did read, I just didn't want to um, spread false rumors in um, what you call this. Because now we need to be sure about what we're saying. So, um, Christo Visa um, has gone down. Okay, by dollar terms, in rand terms, he's probably still a millionaire. But by dollar terms, he's gone down from uh, billionaire status to millionaire status. Continue, sir. Hectic. Just... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's wild. And dude, the guy was rich. I think he may have been around worth around $13 billion. Mm. It was somewhere around there. He was unbelievably rich. Uh, you know, owns owned majority of ShopRite and Pep. Anyway. So what Tulani is saying is that with what happened at so we have what happened at Stein of that they had the fraudulent financial reporting. Now, how does that affect the common person? Now, uh many of you if you have a permanent employment or if you're a government employee, you have something called a pension fund contribution. Now, uh the PIC oversees government's pension funds and they invest in several companies. All right, so you contribute your three thousand or two thousand or ten thousand or whatever to your pension fund every month, and that money gets reinvested so it can grow over the next thirty years, so that when you retire, it is worth something at some point in the future that you can live off of it. Now, what will happen is that if PIC invests in a company like Steinoff, which they did, and Steinoff share price tanks, that's billions of rands that's owed to uh, public servants which is lost through fraudulent financial reporting, like what happened at Steinoff. So when we say that, oh, no, what Steinoff happened, it's good that it tanked because it was only affecting the rich people. I want to rebut that, that what it costs the richest of the rich in South Africa is not the same as what it costed a public servant in South Africa. From a value perspective. From a value perspective. Yes, they may have lost $3 billion or $10 billion or whatever, but they still have a billion left or they still have a few millions left. The standards of living still remain the same. Exactly. <laughs> they are still, even if they lost, I mean, Christopher Visa is still 1% of the 1% in South Africa. Despite losing, now it's what, probably 12 billion of his yeah. 13 billion dollars. <laughs> He's still 1% of the 1%. But if you lose 500,000 of what you are owed and let's say you're not in the higher, one of the higher tax brackets, that hits you very differently. And so I still think the biggest losers in standoff were the public servants and any em- employees of a share scheme which had invested in Steinoff. I think they were all the biggest losers. There's a high chance, um, even if you're in private, I think um, with majority of us who might be listening to this, we got into the workplace, um, like I got into the workplace. Uh, Maybe the past four years yeah yeah yeah. if you got into the workplace in the past four years um you this wouldn't have touched you but there's a high chance even if your mom dad cousin or aunt um works in private uh, institutions um there's a high chance that they had an exposure with steinoff as steinoff was seen as one of the darlings of um south african how what what can you call it financial in no, not financial. Uh, South African companies, basically, as listed in the JSC, they were seen as the more strong um, companies. Where everyone, if you were looking for a surefire share, um, Steinhoff was seen to give you good returns because year on year, 
<laughs> which was the part that was not detected, they were showing a growth in businesses and a growth in profit. So all the investment managers in these um, huge corporations would put their money to sign off because it was seen as... Uh, which goes back to um, another thing, which I think freedom of thought. Um, it's, it's We live in a world where we follow, man. Um, if if they say that, give me a company name in South Africa, uh, MTN. Yeah, if yeah, if they say if people say that MTN is um, gonna be fire or it's gonna go show good returns in the next four to five years, um, you might find that only fifty percent of the people investing in MTN actually went and sat down and thought about MTN's revenue. Uh, potential growth, where they're staying, um, the relations with the ir- Iranians, um, how it affects what's happening in Nigeria. So not a lot of people will actually go and think about that. But we'll simply hear that, hey, this all invest in MTN. And there was another problem that was happening with these... Um, Steinhoff. No, not Steinhoff. The, the shares, the BE shares. Like Baloworld. I didn't want to use them specifically, but there were quite a lot about 10, 15 years ago where there was the MTN ones, there was the SCOM ones. Oh, um, the, <laughs> I think, I don't think it's, not, it's a, it's a BE share scheme. I don't think that's the exact term for it, but it's basically a BE share scheme where <laughs> there, um, many established companies would create some form of a share scheme, uh, for predominantly, well, not predominantly, only for, um, previously like disadvantaged. Only for communities i.e black people and uh, they're the only ones who are allowed to get those shares and what typically happens is they would advertise it uh, all the black people flock is like oh we get shares <laughs> you go you don't necessarily um get the return out of it get the no, no, not even just the return but even just do the required research on it mm. um it's more so a thing of uh their shares available only we can get it, and so you kind of go and buy it which i think also speaks to the also if we if you are doing that maybe you should pause and first understand what it is that you're doing because even today uh, any company that lists or has an ipo of sorts you can buy into it there is no uh, thing stopping you it's just these particular shares are only for the black uh populations but how everyone will kind of go in and buy and not necessarily do the required reading on it i know i was guilty and one of, i won't say the name but is one it, of these share schemes no i'm not gonna say did, no i'm not gonna say the name is it the one you did last year yeah yeah wait, wait is it, was it early this year or last year uh i'm not gonna disclose whether it was last year i think it was no it was late last year it was, it was, it was late last year um it was late last year yeah it was, nah, it was the year before no man it was last year <sighs> whatever okay <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I was guilty of one of them um and it's like i can admit I didn't do the required research. I saw a lot of my friends were buying into it. I'm like, oh, if this gent's buying into it, surely it must be good. And I was kind of relying off of the mob that if everyone is doing something, surely it must be okay. Because if something was wrong, someone would have picked up already. How much of that was an influence of your friends? A lot of it. I think a lot of my peers had invested into it. I think it was also a case of you know, young guys, you want to try and make smart investment decisions. 
And I think it was that pressure as well that, okay, I have a bit of pocket, not pocket money, um, money saved from my salary. Let me see what I can do with it. Um, let, me, let me put it away and see if it can grow or, you know, because that's what we're told. I think we're taught to save. We're told, told that we must invest. We're never taught how to invest. How do you do due diligence on our company? Which, which is some, which is something I have a problem with, with regards to what we see on social media. So, so the marketing uh, around um, growing up and having your money is to, it gives you this very gloomy future if you don't save and invest, um, and then they don't tell you how to actually do it, or if they tell you how to do it, they're selling a product. So now you're stuck in this place where your friends, your family are telling you, I'm investing in XYZ, it's working for me. And now you're not even sure uh, where to put your money. You have to put my money in shoes or I'll put my money in shares. But it's an investment for a reason. The investment can go good or bad. And like I know in one of these big companies um, that... A lot of people just didn't get the return that they had. Re- like, for example, in these BE shares, um, when the shares came to a point where now they mature, because um, again, Dara and I are black, so majority of our view is from black. Um, our parents and 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 didn't get the money that they thought that they'd get because how it was sold to them by a broker, it was like you're gonna get eight percent return. And then they don't explain to you that, like, this money is invested in a financial market like the JSE. And you're not investing at a bank where if the bank tells you that you're getting 8% um, interest back on your money, the only way that in, that 8% can fluctuate is if the Reserve Bank reduces the repo rate. But with regards to the financial market, it's literally an up-and-down situation. However, the JSE is relatively secure but depending on when your shares vest, you might not get your money in. And, 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 and it's another thing that I think, back to the expectations point, is I really thought I'd be able to save more money, number one, and I thought I'd be able to invest. But I wasn't taught how to do that. <laughs> Was it one of those things where you kind of thought that when you're an adult, it kind of just happens? So like budgeting... um good relationships, saving, investing. It's almost like it's its assumed knowledge per se. To be honest with you, like I like I I, I grew up with the with the with the ideal mentality that adults are perfect and that everything comes into place when you're a grown person. Like I thought that when I'm grown, just like everyone else around me, like everything would just come into fruition. I don't understand that I had to do the work. Um, the work of actually having conversations with people in... Like, we bless now that, like, you and I, if we have, let's say, an engineering problem, like, let's say we create this engineering problem, there's a high chance that we'd be able to contact a friend to be able to assist us. Some of the people might not have that privilege of having so many professionals around them to be able to assist in anything. So... I just assumed that the moment I get a job or the moment I get a degree or the moment I get to a place where I'm a salary, I'm a salaried person, everything would just fall into one. Um, I'd get a relationship. Uh, I'd find love. 
didn't realize that that also re- required a lot of work. Uh, my friendships would be perfect. Um, we had dreams of uh, going to Bali with our wives. <laughs> we had dreams of every weekend. Um, we are drinking water uh, <laughs> at, at our boys' place, um, watching soccer. Um, and you don't realize that, A, that also requires work once you're being an adult, right? Because you and I, unfortunately, are not entrepreneurs as yet. So, so we're in the business of selling our time for money. And once you employed, um, you sell your time for money. And time now is something that I actually value quite a lot because of the fact that I sell it for a living. And everything was just like relationships with our parents, relationship with our siblings. We'd assume that all these factors would just fall in perfect place. Like, like they'd just be in unison and we would, <laughs> we'd be living the best time of our lives and not realizing that life isn't a movie like in one of our episodes where we're speaking about love love isn't the same way that you've seen the movie the same way love for people doesn't end like will smith on the pursuit of happiness (laughs) like like it really doesn't like like you don't have that moment where you pass your board where you pass your board exam and suddenly because and and that's the thing like in that movie he we don't get to see how he because it tells you about his life right but we don't get to see how he gets to live his life after that where is he how does he go and and start his own firm and because we don't get to see people's work because everyone works almost at the back you don't see what darren and i do every day um you well in my case you see me smiling on social media and posting funny videos but you don't you don't get to see the other side of my life um and i like even to this day i actually get like um because i come from like a relatively poor family where people in my family assume i have this perfect life oh where people in my family assume i have this perfect life now i'm out because for them perfection look like a job um a car a place to put your head under and sleep every night and they i'm not gonna tell them (laughs) they don't know what it takes to get here um those close to me will know the stress levels that i'm under almost on a day-to-day basis um and i i'm not sure actually if i really we, we do discuss this in previous segments if i wanted the adults around me to to tell me this because I, th- I think it would have taken out my innocence it would have taken out to look out for a better life in the future because i don't think i want to tell my kids about the ins and outs of even like imagine if your mom or dad was like showing you the amount of money that she pays to school fees um the work that she has to do to get your school fees the food the grocery you wouldn't feel good about the future and i don't think now even though life has smacked me i I, i'm okay with how it panned out because i learned on the spot my expectations haven't met haven't been met or were not met 
But I wouldn't have it any better. Would you, would you have it any better? He's nodding his head, by the way. <laughs> um, I genuinely wouldn't have it any better. I I wouldn't want so I wouldn't want a lifeline. Um, like I hear a lot of like our friends and families, um, say or mostly friends like, I just hope someone had told me. No, you don't. Um, you would have you would have hit a different pothole. <laughs> like I read a lot. Like when I say I read, I read a lot. And it doesn't prevent heartbreak. <laughs> it really doesn't prevent any form of heartbreak. It's like it still hurts. So um in my in my earlier part, like um I had I'd insinuated that we had assumed our friendships would look differently. Um that our friendships would be roses and petals. And he never assumed that you and your friends would be would be like worrying about who takes who first, right? It's like, <laughs> no, Tilani never calls me. Tilani doesn't want to be my friend anymore. <laughs> so, how outside of like you and I, how are your friendship going? So, before I jump into the friendship uh, conversation or answering your question, I just want to wrap up the Steinov thing okay. uh, with the fraud. So, if all of you, I'm not going to relay every single thing that we've said about Steinov. But basically, uh, Tulani's question is that, so in the case of what Marcus just did, that was some hectic fraud which was committed. So his question is that if you are to be in high financial positions like that, because he was the CEO of the company. Um, so his question is, if you're going to be in a high financial position like that, should you have some form of a qualification? Because the cost of your decisions, the decisions that Marcus just made, the cost of them was extremely high. Uh, and so, in answering that, Tulani, I... You see, because it goes to the question of what does a degree show? Is a degree a symbol of skills and competence? Or is it, is it a symbol of certain knowledge? And with that, I question whether or not having those high positions, you need to be skilled and competent or you need to merely have knowledge. Because in the case of Marcus Juster, he had all the degrees. He had the qualifications. He had all the papers. On paper, he is a perfect candidate to be an executive. But in spite of that, he was not able to be a good exec. So I wonder, is that necessarily an indicator of competence? And I guess it probably depends on the nature of the business because one could say, well, Mark Zuckerberg was CEO of Facebook. He doesn't have a degree. Um, Bill Gates was a college dropout. Steve Jobs was a dropout. But again, they are outliers. Um, but then you again wonder, is the skills that they have as a CEO, as an exec, all those skills which you need a degree for. Because I see that we're moving into a different place as an economy. Maybe not so much South Africa, but definitely America, that they're moving away from being a knowledge-based economy to a skill-based economy. And so in closing, I think it depends on what skills are required for you to be CEO of that particular company. How big is the company? How complex are the operations? How technical is it? And I think if you incorporate all of those factors, 
you may need to have a qualified degree because there may be some things which you may not be able to learn on the spot and there may be some things that to a degree are assumed knowledge i also want to echo that the whole thing of having a degree or not having a degree to do certain jobs also depends on what level you go in that i think the more senior you become perhaps the more need there is for you to have some sort of a degree or some sort of qualification despite the fact that you have your job may not be as technical you're not in the detail and your job is more strategic i think that there is a certain base level of knowledge you need to have to apply to the strategic view because at the higher up you go you're more concerned with steering the ship as opposed to oiling the parts or putting fuel in the engine so that's my closing part with the with, with the degree thing don't see with friendships uh it's tricky for me because i have friendships i mean they're friends who have been friends with them for over 15 years they are friends mo- a lot of my very close friends from high school were still very close today so i have a lot of friends of over 10 years and obviously i have my varsity friends and some of my work friends in terms of how my friendships are going i think they're going good for the most part i think they've also changed a lot um all the friendships which I had, and I think maybe everyone listening can probably relate to this, that we've all at some point had friendships where we're only friends because we see each other a lot. Because we're attending class together. Friends out of convenience. Friends out of convenience. <laughs> where we're seeing each other a lot. We were in the same sports team, same class, same res. Um, may even be some of your working friends that you're only really friends because you're on the same clients or working on the same project together. So those friendships are full and away, definitely. And I think that all the ones which, and I think that I know that all the ones where we had a much deeper relationship, those have all stood the test of time till this point. What made it stand the test of time? Because I know, um, like I've been to like every event um, since I've known you. Um, Like you have people from like grade one. (laughs) Like this guy has like people from grade one will come and be like, yeah. And, and he's still, and, and like when they conversate, it's not like they're reminiscing on grade one conversations. It's like, oh, we, we've evolved as, as, as a friend, as friends. Um, we went to this Marvel, okay, this place in, in, in Gauteng last year. And, um, one of his all time, um, female friends was there. And they had this love, man, that just couldn't be touched. And and for me, it was interesting to see because I didn't have that. So what made it, what has made your long-term friendships um, stand the test of time? So I think it boils down to how you build friendships. So I look at my family now. My mom's very good at making friends. So and she really taught us how to make friends. <laughs> so credit to her is something that I picked up from her. That with people who you become friends with, there's certain foundational things that need to be there. So one, you need to decide what type of friendship do I want to have with this person. I think from a young age, she made it very clear to us that you will not find a friend who can be there for you in every single scenario that you face. Like, I know there are friends who, if I want to 
be involved with gym stuff or fitness exercise there's certain friends i can go to when it comes to music and entertainment the other friends i can go to if i want to have conversations about philosophy and the meaning of life their friends i can go to their friends i can go to for business advice and if i want to talk about economics and entrepreneurship there's other friends i go to for want to speak about relationships and i have many friends who are a part of many categories of that um some may even be in five or six categories but i don't have a friend who is a part of each and I'm every hurt. category that's fine you'll drink cement you'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> no, i don't have a friend who is in each and every category and so when it comes to me cuz that's other thing my circle of friends didn't just land on me no my mom told me that you need to be intentional about your circle of friends you can't just go through a life saying okay well if i meet a friend yes i meet them no you need to identify people get to know them and say i want to be your friends i'm going to be intentional about building a relationship with you you don't have to tell it to their face but you need to have that in your mind because only when you do that do you avoid getting friends out of convenience the friend who you happen to meet where you are and you guys just become friends if you're not intentional about building that relationship that's a friend out of convenience because when you leave that particular scenario you may not have a relationship deep enough or you may not even know them well enough to be able to continue that friendship so i have certain friends for certain wait i have a question mm-hmm. so what's the difference between organic friend okay. uh and i don't have an answer to this So you mentioned how you have to be intentional like I want to be your your friend. What is that equilibrium of creating organic friendships and just being like okay dude I want to be your friend and forcing the issue because in some cases I've had a lot of people that I've wanted to be friends with because they seemed cool and they seemed like they'd bring me what's the correct word to use? They 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 give me the opposite sex attention. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: What the hell is an organic friendship? I don't know. I've I've heard this. I really okay. I I really don't know as the term. Um, how how it's explained? Uh, sorry, I'm trying to laugh. It's just that I didn't think you'd ask me that. So, um, people explain it. I guess it looks like a romantic movie. <laughs> it it looks it it looks like you finish my words. It's the, it's it's the same. So <laughs> is it a case of let me put it say is an organic friendship something like uh let's say we're in the workplace. Yeah. Um we're both working on a particular project and our manager comes in and shouts at us. And then after the manager leaves and this person says something funny and I laugh like ha ha ha. And then I say something funny as well, and then it's like, ah, we actually click, and then we become best friends, and we're each other's best mans at our weddings and stuff. You see, um, that that can have instances of convenience because we share the same common thread, which is the manager. So if we both find ourselves, let's say, let's say you and I don't know each other, um, we find ourselves shipwrecked. somewhere in wherever it is we find ourselves shipwrecked what are the chances assuming that we both the same people that we are we just don't know each other what are the chances that we're going to create some form of friendship if we are both in this de- deserted island it's quite high <laughs> it's quite high <laughs> so then you could argue that that's an organic friendship okay because so 
we let's go to what the word organic means. Organic essentially means natural, without any undue influence. It is in its purest form. That's why if you're eating organic chicken, <laughs> the chicken will typically be free range. It's running around because uh, if it's not in some form of a chicken farm, the chicken would be running around free, free of any restrictions, eating what it wants or whatever's around it and so forth. Uh, you are researching the meaning of organic. What do you have for us, sir? Um, okay, so the word organic means relating to or derived from a living matter. Ah. <sighs> I the reason I don't want to put this because I feel like the explanation of it where it's something natural. So yeah, these are the examples of denoting oh, or. But a synonym is natural. I'm reading it there. Oh, synonym additive free. Okay. Non chemical. So it's something. Really, it's in its natural state. Yeah. Without any undue influence. So there is nothing else coming in. No intention. You just grow towards each other. Does th- does that mean if I'm your friend because you're good looking and I'm good looking and I think it's gonna give us the opposite um, attention? Does that does that mean that's unnatural? Because there there is some sort of undue influence to it. I'm sorry, you wanted to say something else. I killed your thing. I'm sorry. No, not quite. I, I think you're <laughs> you're going where I'm trying to take it. Okay, you've alluded to it nicely. <laughs> that even if we are friends because we're good looking, there's some form of there's a reason why I want to be your friend. So that in and of itself, we can't necessarily say it's organic, could, could we? Because there's an intention behind it. If we just happen to become friends because we just click, then sure, maybe we can say it's organic. Now, my other thing that I want to throw into the path is this is about a, really a conversation about relationships, how we form relationships. Now, as human beings, you know that we're social creatures. Is it natural for a human to be monogamous? In, in a human being, in your natural state, is it natural for us to want to invest a lot into one relationship? Or is it more natural to have several relationships kind of haphazardly? I throw the ball in your court. Um, okay, are we asking for my opinion or are we asking for in general? Let's debate this. So, so, um, are we okay by monogamous referring because I have different opinions for for different reasons, and the reason I say that is because for friendships, as you mentioned, right? If I can't look for every part of what I want in friendships in you, that's 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 an unfair. Um, how can I? Pl- that that's an unfair job for me to place on you. Why do you say it's unfair? Because I think a lot of people have you know, their one best friend, which everything's on. So why would you say that's unfair? Because you're you're a human being, and I'm a human being too, and we have different likes and dislikes. And I could literally, you could have ninety percent of what I want in the friendship, and that ten percent could cause some form of, of ruckus between us, and. And I think good friendship is the acceptance of the 10% of being like, you're not going to be perfect. Um, and so you're not going to be perfect and we're not going to be perfect as a friendship. I'm not going to be perfect. So, so a person who's seeking 100% friendship 
or a person who is wholesome in terms of their friendship you need to first ask yourself are you this perfect being um are you this perfect being to to the other person because it it's unfair to place my my happiness on you Daryl um and it hurts i agree it hurts if let's say i am sad right um something's happening in my life and i know that you struggle with let's say empathy and i feel like i can't speak to you on matters related to the heart that hurts and that's going and that's going to have me questioning our friendship why if you are in my life as a friend why can't i share this aspect of my life and and people don't change people are technically the same in terms of like in at at inception of this friendship if daryl lacked empathy there's a high chance that he's going to lack it even at the end and you chose this person based on that so i would say that i then have to make a decision um into be like okay you don't have empathy am i willing to live with this or not if i'm willing to live with it then i need to accept you and be like you just not going to be the friend i go to when i'm sad however that doesn't devalue our friendship in my opinion it just means that you have something <laughs> there are there probably other parts that let's say i'm into running and you're into running and we both love it and we encourage each other that's an aspect of it and the reason i said but with the, when it comes to actual relationships and dating um i think to for our, for our happiness monogamous is probably something that is needed but with regards to friendships um nah bro like like why are you trying to own me <laughs> so i think i get that and i agree with what you're saying <laughs> i want to steer a little bit um to one side so not necessarily is it what brings you the most joy or not but it's what is natural what would a human typically gravitate towards naturally because i could argue um in my opinion i think we in friendship so just with the whole chat about monogamy we're not talking about in the context of friendships we're talking about in the context of relationships that was monogamy now i'm bringing the conversation back to friendships then i'll touch on relationships after so in the context of friendships i think what we naturally gravitate towards to is what's in our immediate environment because how are our brains wired our brains are wired to say okay what can i do to make my journey in this particular situation the most comfortable or the easiest possible to preserve me for the future we don't like friction yeah <laughs> we avoid conflict unless there are people who want smoke so in whatever circumstances i find myself in i naturally would gravitate towards the people who kind of make my journey easier it's why we it, that's the thing it's why we know oftentimes when you go through hardships you become very good friends with the people who you went through hardship with i think about let's say sports team one of the reasons why sports team they get very close is because you're put through fire together so you need to have each other 
Otherwise, you're going to struggle. That's because of the circumstances, you, nature, or let's say the circumstances nature has put in front of you. So let me say the circumstances put in front of you, nature, your human nature has forced you to grow together to cope through the hardship. So relationships like that, they form naturally. Uh, My question out of now, what I'm going through, at out of what I'm going through, time. and not even necessarily hardship, may even just be your circumstances, may even be you happen to be at a certain working place, and the people who you work with, who's next to your desk, you happen to speak to each other a lot, and because we're sitting next to each other at work, we become friends because of that. I actually agree with that, and the reason I agree with that is because if you are in a phase of partying, um, like every weekend, what are the chances are you're gonna meeting people who are partying every weekend yeah and if you're in the space of going to church three times a week there's a chances that you're gonna probably gravitate towards people who are going through church every week and where i think we misstep is when we then go through a different phase and the people we leave people behind or people leave us behind we want to clinch on those friendships in the form that they started in and the thing to add on to that is that we naturally create friendships out of convenience, to use your words. I think that is our natural state. And from what we're seeing is that friendship out of convenience are not necessarily the most sustainable. So creating organic friendships can happen, yes. But from the discussion we've had, I don't think organic friendships are necessarily one the most stable um sorry are one the most sustainable and two are able to really carry you well actually sustainable so let me just say i don't think they are the most sustainable um types of friendships that you can build i won't necessarily bring you the most joy and build you over the longest period of time so i want to rebut this idea of organic friendships because it is only organic to the extent that your current circumstances dictate it to be. And I go further to say that with relationships, now we talk about romantic relationships, naturally as human beings, it is very difficult to be monogamous. Our natural state is you kind of want to have as many partners as you can, spread your genes everywhere. <sighs> I disagree with that, but okay. No, no. So remember, there's a difference between something being natural and something being beneficial. Those are two separate things. No, um, I'll tell you why I disagree, but I don't want so, you to finish your so, so what I say when I say it's natural is that in your natural state is kind of what you want to do as a human being. Then we go through, you know, your social conditioning, um, getting certain principles and so forth. And then you realize that, you know what, perhaps life has more meaning and it is more beneficial. And I can grow more. If I am monogamous in a relationship. And so all these other factors. In my opinion. Start to come in. And then you realize that okay. That may be what I want to do naturally. But over the long term. What's most sustainable. Stable. What's going to bring me the most utility. Is having one partner. Who I invest everything into this relationship with them. They invest everything into this relationship with me. And we build from there onwards 
That's my argument. You have a you have a counter. You're itching. No, you have a counter no, argument no, uh, to this. Bring it. No, firstly, no. Um, so I I just learned something, right? Um, kind of unrelated. So Daryl said something that I disagree with. Um, however, uh, I actually didn't let him finish. I didn't let him finish his point. And and when I then decided to sit back and let him finish his point, I was like, wait. I think him and I might have the same <laughs> reasoning, but calling it different things. And that's something to consider in your own friendships. When you disagree with people, you often don't even let them finish. <laughs> so that that is why, like, you could physically see me move back and go, hmm, um, let me actually let him finish. <laughs> let me actually let him finish his point. Right? So... I don't want. I don't want this to look. I want. I don't want us to look at this from agreeing and disagreeing, because fundamentally, I think we we agreeing that um, monogamy is more beneficial in a relationship perspective. So I don't think we have to look at it from disagreeing, mm. disag- uh, agreeing. Yeah. Um. So, me personally, right. So remember, in the inception, we speak. We spoke about friendships and the fact that you can't find um, a friendship within. You can't find everything in one person in a friendship. So, I think that is what we try to do in relationships. We try to then do the same thing. There's an there's Singh, <laughs> there's Joanna, there's, give me a name, there's Nero, there's Lesedi. Why are you naming all my exes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm you <know>? playing. <laughs> the, 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 there's these four goals, right? And they're all... We, we spoke about this in she, and they all offer different aspects. Um, and because we can use any... So Daryl's um, argument of natural, I could use it to substantiate why I need to date all four women. Um, however, I, I think it's... And people often want to compare us to animals. They say animals mate with whatever they want. And I think that's an unfair comparison to human beings because human beings have far evolved more than animals. I don't see animals creating cars. <laughs> a computer, like human beings created a computer and they built a brain that can think on itself. I'm not a scientist or anything, but you can, if you can find me an animal that is able to do that with its brain... You can compare us to animals, but I don't think we have a direct. I know we're all mammals, but I don't think we have a direct comparison to animals, even to our most primitive way, which is sex. So, um, it's debatable. Well, let me that, <laughs> that's debatable, but nah, go yeah. sir. So, so my point here is, I don't think you sh- you shouldn't use. You wanting to sleep with different women and wanting to date different women and an inability to choose one because you want different aspects of them. Um, I don't think you should use the monogamy chat as a way to substantiate your reasons for an ability to choose one woman and commit or man. Um, I think it's unfair on the person. Me personally, uh, can't do more than like one serious girlfriend 
at a time. Because there's always one party that loses. I'm either too consumed. Uh, it's never happened before. It's a hypothetical situation. <laughs> there's always going to be like one party that's too consumed and the other party get, gets lost. And, and we give ourselves too much credit in terms of attention. Like imagine you're fighting attention with YouTube music and now there's three or four girlfriends that you also have to deal with at the same time. And, and you think that you can give them the same amount of love I I I think it's it's a fallacy again to use the word that we all tell ourselves. So so monogamy yes in friendships um I think it's a pointless act but in relationships for beneficial um love and for com- commitment it's it's better for you to just stay with one person. And we're going to delve deeper into how social media is deluding this monogamy thing or this monogamy situation where people want to be in polyg- polygamy or pol- polygamat polyg how do you say the word polygamy no not there's another one polyamorous po- yes polyamorous yes um where we now assume that that's what life has made out to be without looking at the fact that i could go on social media and DM 20 hands and and want to date all of them because they, they offer different aspects of it. So, but I want to stick to the friendship now before we move into like that specific conversation, which will be in a different segment. Look, man, um, I'm not even, I'm not even going to front. Um, like the best you can do after listening to this episode and making it this far is posted on your social media. Twitter is very important at this perspective, Instagram, and send it to your friends. That's the best you can do, to be honest with you. I mean, you're here every week without fail, so... I mean, let the other kids listen too, you know? Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish now with the content you consume. Don't be too fresh. How? Let the other people also hear it. They don't know us. You know us. You can just send. I mean, you made it this far. Thank you in advance. Um, you can tag us. Uh, I'm Tulani Dambuza on social media. If you listen to this, there's a high chance that you probably already know my social media. It will be tagged in the description of this specific episode. Our only social media pages. We suck like that. Um, Daryl is Daryl Dravilia on your social media platforms. So again, it will be tagged there. Um, however, um, I felt that it is best for me to be sincere um, and genuine about the conversation that we just had. So, with regards to the conversation about friendships and them being hard work and all that stuff, yada yada, fish paste. Um, lost, okay, let me not use timestamps. So, quite recently, um, I had a moment with my close friends 
where I was questioning whether our friendships are genuine. Um, and I was questioning whether I want to go forward with those specific friendships. And it was through a conversation um, with a mentor of mine where I realized that one moment of weakness or slash of inconsistency from your friends doesn't suddenly now erase every past good thing that's ever happened in your friendship. My personal realization of this specific situation, which my friends probably will hate me bringing up on on this podcast episode, they already say that every conversation that we have, I put here, um, I learned that um, forgiveness is still a good component of friendship. Um, Sometimes people act selfishly and it's just how human nature is. It doesn't mean that they don't care or love for you. It just means that at that time, their priority isn't you, it's them. And that's still okay. That's how life is. That does not mean that they don't love you. So with your friendship groups, um, because I know a lot of us are questioning our friendship groups the older we get, because, yeah. So to my friends, uh, they probably don't listen to this. Um, I want to say I'm really sorry. Um, I acted impulsively. Um, I was an idiot. Um, I should have had more conversations about the incident that happened. And I hope that our friendship is able to recover from this. And having friends, and I talk about this in a later um, segment, the friends I have in my specific circle as Tulani, with Daryl included, happen to be really good and genuine friends. Like, I've never been the type to complain about the friends that I have. And one moment of weakness from my end made me question everything. And that was a problem from my end because I'm not a cutter of people. And I had wanted to resort to that. So, yeah. Um, As I said before, please like, rate, send post on social media twitter facebook anything thank you from the top deck crew we appreciate you